How's everybody doing today? It's good to see you all this bright summer morning. Jane kind of stole my thunder. I have an exciting announcement, but before we do, uh, I just want to welcome everybody to the family room of Revelation Rock. It's a, it's a good time to be in the house of the Lord. I missed everybody last week. I thank you to everybody who facilitated church going on in our absence. We were gone for the weekend. So this morning, uh, I was talking to Shelby about I was going to do the introduction for Dan to come up, and he said, are you sure that's a good idea? I said, like, why would that be a bad idea? He said, sometimes you get long in your introductions. So I don't want to take anything away from uh, the word that Dan has to share, but I do want to, I want to welcome him personally and his family, just as Jane did. For some of you, you maybe have not met Dan Garropy. You maybe, that name sounds, some of you have never heard of him. Some of you, that name sounds familiar, and some of you know him like old family. And uh, there's a reason for all of those. He's, it's been a while since he's been here, so if you're fairly new, you might not have ever heard of him. But they've been part of this family at large for a long time. Dan and Amanda, uh, when I hear their names, it's almost always something's going on with the gospel. Something's going on with the kingdom growing. And you never know, they're one of those families that if you, if, you, if you came up to me tomorrow and you're like, did you hear Dan and Amanda took the gospel to Greenland? I wouldn't be surprised. If you said they took the gospel to New York City, I wouldn't be surprised. If you said they took the gospel to Uganda, I wouldn't be surprised. They're always about the work of the gospel. I'm not saying that to lift him up or to blow their heads up, but I just want you to know the context of this family. Uh, they're mission-minded. They've always been, as long as I've known Dan, he's been mission-minded, carrying the gospel to people that don't know Jesus, facilitating the gospel going forth, whether it's through music or through speaking, through meeting with people. It's been on his heart. Uh, the passage of scripture I want to read before they come, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Uh, just listen. We're not, I'm even going to put it up on the screen. You can just listen along. This is uh, where Paul and Silas and Timothy are seeking what the Lord has for them next. And this scripture, when I met with Dan a while ago about coming, it, this is the scripture the Lord laid on my heart. It starts out in verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7. After they had come to Myasia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Myasia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And that little glimpse of scripture you see in Paul's missionary journeys, he was always, his wheels were in gear. He's ready to go, always ready to go. And a door seems to open. The next place on the map is in front of them, and so they're ready to go. The next place in the map is in front of them, and so they're ready to go. And at each place, you see the Lord's kind of like, not there, not there, not there. You see, with, with Paul and Silas and Timothy, and I believe with Dan and Amanda, the Lord's not like, all right, let's get moving, let's get moving. That's not his perspective with them. It's like, hold on, not there. I've got a place for you, but they're just constantly moving. You see that in, like, Paul wasn't, didn't have the perspective. I'm just going to sit on my couch until the Lord drags me off of it. Paul was like, hey, there's a neighbor's house. We'll go over there. And the Lord's like, nope, I, I got a place for you. 
Does that make sense to anybody? And that's the perspective that I have on Dan and Amanda's ministry. In the years that I've known them and known about them, it's like we're always in gear. We're ready to go, and we're going to be going somewhere. So the Lord's got to direct you with, no, not there yet, not here yet, not there yet. And so it's the next chapter in their ministry that I welcome Dan to come and share uh, what the Lord has laid on his heart for us to be able to participate with them. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways I'm sure he'll talk about, and we'll talk about after, afterwards, um, that we can partner with them. So Dan, I welcome you to come forward. I'm going to pray for us before you can come forward, and I'll pray for us, and then uh, it's all yours. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to lift your name high, to lift your name above difficulties, above sickness, above disease, above good things and bad things and everything in between, Lord. I just thank you so much for the good thing that is our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family, Dan and Amanda Garropy. I just pray a blessing over them, a blessing over each of our hearts, Lord, that we would be sensitive to the leading of your spirit this morning. You would speak with clarity uh, through your servant, Dan, that we would be able to hear what you would have for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. We don't have to ask you to go with us or to be here with us. You've promised wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be in our midst. And we are gathered in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you so much for this time. I pray a blessing over it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Thank you for that introduction, Isaac. Thank you. You know, like he mentioned a couple, maybe several weeks ago now, it's been a little while, uh, Isaac and I sat down and we had some coffee at a local coffee shop and it was just one of those moments we've kind of known each other and we've kind of, we've had good conversations before, but it was just one of those moments that I actually got to really sit down and just share my heart and hear his heart and it was just one of those moments where, I think about scripture, where Jesus has died. He hasn't quite appeared to everybody again. And these two disciples are walking around this road to, I think, what they say, Emmaus. And, like, they're talking and talking, and all of a sudden this guy appears, and it's Jesus. And he's, they, he talks with them about different things, and, and then all of a sudden he disappears. And these disciples are like, man, like, were our hearts not burning when we were together? And that's you know, kind of how my heart, I left that, that coffee, just, man, like we had that, there was that unity in spirit. There was that kind of similar vision, and there was that, that passion of like, wow, we want to get this gospel out. We want, to, we want people to, to stand up and become the people that God has called them to be. And uh, so I, I left that, and, and, and so I just, the, it's not everybody you get that chance to just really sit with and, and, and just leave and like, man, like, I want to, there's some people you, you think like, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we want to get coffee with them again. Um, and with Isaac, it was like, man, like, let's do this again. Let's let's do this again. So we'll make it happen. Um, Revelation Rock, like you have been such a blessing to my family personally, um, and then also many of you know my mom and dad, uh, Dave and Linda Garropy, Um and so many of you walked with my mom through some of her journey. Uh, in the past couple years, and, and then my sister and, and her, my brother-in-law were part of this family. So you, you guys have imparted many things. You guys have been behind us in so many different ways. You've prayed for us, encouraged us as we've been overseas before. And actually, our daughter, I thought she, she actually went back to Children's Church, but uh, we dedicated our daughter here. And people 
prayed over her and spoke prophetic words over her. And we're seeing some of that actually even come to pass now. And so uh, this has been a tremendous uh, time. Just this, this, this church has been an amazing uh, blessing and an encouragement to us. And so it's an honor to be here. I just want to encourage you, first of all, before we even kind of dig into this, is just like it's, and it's exciting to be in a church who's spirit-led and who stands on the word. And I know that that's who you guys are. In fact, my wife um, came to me right before we were back there grabbing coffee, and she said, man, it's so good to be in a church that believes and stands on scripture. I went in to wash my hands, and, you know, it's got the words, don't speak the problem, speak the solution. And it's got scriptures, you know, um, that you stand on. And, and not every church is like that. And even the, it's just neat when you come to serve, or when you go to serve other people, it's neat how God just kind of blesses you. And it's interesting, the, the scripture that, uh, where is, I don't even see him, but he, that he chose up here uh, for the scripture to read before was actually a, a verse. We, we, my wife and I have done this, uh, this picture thing, and it's, it's, it's basically an image of who, you, who God's created you to be. And uh, you, pick, you pick a different picture that stands, stands for something, and you pick, pick a bunch of different things, and then you pick one verse. Out of the whole Bible, you pick one verse, and that was the verse that my wife picked. Um, and so it's just interesting how God just kind of confirmed. You come to serve somebody, and God kind of confirms some different things in your life. And so um, not every church is spirit-led. Not every uh, church believes and stands on the word. And so I just want to encourage you guys right off the bat, like, man, like, this is a great body to be part of, and, um, and it's a blessing to be here. Thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to come and be here. So um, like uh, you guys, you guys have been a, such a blessing. Uh, we also desire as a family to be a blessing to many different people. And uh, if we can maybe get the, the picture, the first picture. Yeah, this is my family, uh, my wife uh, back here, Amanda, and then our eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, and our three-year-old son, Judah. And... Uh, if you guys are picking, looking for names to name your son, um, Judah means praise and Judah means lion. So he's not a quiet person. So if you want a, like a quiet son, I, probably, I would advise uh, look for a different name than Judah. Uh, but he's an amazing warrior for, for God, and, and we, we love him. He's a tremendous blessing. But yeah, we, we enjoy um, being in the presence of God. We love being a blessing, just like you guys love being a blessing in different ways. And so we've been blessed to have been part of different things in different parts of the world. Africa, our family went to uh, Central America last year and the year before, served in Belize for a couple months with our church, and we've been different places. And But the next, uh, the next place that God is calling us is to be in Athens, Greece. In Athens, Greece. And uh, there's a very large refugee challenge right now, a crisis even, going on. And I'm going to share just a quick two-minute trailer because not everybody has heard of this. Not everybody um, is familiar with what's going on. And this will just kind of get us all on the same page for a couple minutes of what is actually going on in Athens, Greece, that we're going to be part of the solution for. It's a really good movie. It's, uh, the whole thing's on uh, YouTube, so if you get a chance, uh, if you have a, a little bit of time, it's, it's inspiring. It's amazing to see what God is doing in that part of the world. And so, um, like you saw, Refugees coming from all sorts of different places, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, northern Africa, all sorts of different places. They're leaving their homes. They're leaving, why? Because of their war-torn countries. There's maybe civil war, or perhaps maybe you've heard about the different earthquakes that have gone, over, gone on in Turkey and other places, 
Um, perhaps they're leaving from just tyrannical governments, or maybe there's just poverty. So many of them are leaving, and, and what's happened is if we think about this, uh, you know, God gave me a picture of this a number of years ago where we think about this story in the Bible where the Israelites are walking around the city of Jericho, and they start walking, and they start walking, they walk around seven times, and they give a shout, and what happens? The walls fall, right? The walls fall. And as the walls fall, they, the Israelites rush in and they take the city. They take the city. But in a similar sense, there's been walls around this region of the world for so long. And the walls have come crashing down. And instead of people rushing in, many people are rushing out. They're, these walls have held them in in these different countries. The walls have come down, and so many of them are making these treacherous journeys by foot to get out of their countries and go to find a different type of freedom, a different place to live. And so they leave their countries and they go hundreds, if not thousands of miles on foot across very dangerous places. They hire different people to get them to, from one place to the next. They end up, as we saw in the video, they get to Turkey and then they get on these rafts and they, they're very unstable and they cross, in a sense, open ocean because this, these are very treacherous waters and they go for three miles or so to get to the nearest Greek island. And once they get onto this Greek island, now they're, now they're European problems. And so um, they kind of made it halfway. They can't go back because they're, they've, they, they've left everything and they can't necessarily go forward because it's just, there's tape uh, that they have to, to kind of get through in order to get to their ultimate goals, which are, you know, maybe England, maybe France, maybe Germany, sometimes even Canada, sometimes even the United States. So they kind of get kind of stuck there in Greece, in Athens, Greece. And what this journey is that it started off seeking new freedom and new, uh, new life from one place to their next, they actually are finding new freedom a new life in Jesus, and they're not even expecting it. And it's amazing. And so what's happening is, like, like they mentioned, the people that they were told would hate them, the Christians, are the ones that are serving them and loving on them and sharing the gospel with them. And that's really the identifying mark of Christians, right? They said, they will know you're Christians by your what? By your love, by your love. And so um, as they, they get out, they realize, like, what is this? They know there's a God. Culturally, kind of, they grew up kind of in Middle Eastern countries and Northern African countries, these Muslim countries. They, it's imparted into them. They know that there's a God. But they also know it's not Allah. They've seen what Allah has done. They see the failures of Islam in, in their lives. They see the failures of Islam in their states, in their countries. And they know it doesn't work. And it's built on so many different things. But when they get around the radical love of Christ. It changes them. It changes them. And God is able to work in their hearts in a different way. So they leave everything. They risk everything to go and find new life. And they find new life there in Athens, Greece, because people are loving them and doing the things that Jesus shared that we should be doing. So, um, in fact, it's amazing. God is doing so many amazing things in this area. Um, there's a story, and I shared this a little bit with Isaac, but they get on this raft, and a lot of times they travel at night. They don't want to get caught because the Coast Guard's out there. They don't want to, um, 
get caught by them and get sent back to their different countries or Turkey. And so they go at night. They all pile into this raft. And it's just overcrowded, but they're tr making this three-mile stretch of, of ocean to get over this Greek island. And one of, the, one of the women just basically shrieked at night. It was just quiet, 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 shriek. And everybody looks at her, what happened? What happened? Her son, her young son, had fallen into the water, fallen into the ocean. They couldn't find him. And they circled the boat back. They could not find him, couldn't find him. And this couple just, God, if you're there, please help us. If you're there, help us. A couple minutes later, their son appears back in the boat. And they're just looking at him incredulously. Like, what happened? What happened? And, he, and the boy says, look, I was sinking into the depths of the ocean. And there was a man dressed in white. He was walking on water. He reached down, pulled me out of the water. And we put me back on the boat. <laughs> and, and it gets better. They, this boat continues. They get to the shore. And God had told this missionary, he said, go down to the beach, make a fire, cook some breakfast, and welcome these refugees in. And so he did that. He did just that. He was obedient. It's a cold morning, so he had a nice warm fire going. Makes breakfast. These, this group comes in circles, gives them breakfast, he starts reading out of the Bible. He starts reading. God had led him to the scripture of these disciples out on a boat about to go down. And a man walks on water and helps them. And these Muslim refugees, their eyes got huge. And they said, tell us more about this man dressed in white because he just pulled our son out of the water. See, God's doing amazing things. And sometimes we don't get to hear all of that because, you know, we, we're living lives. We don't always hear these stories of what God is doing in other parts of the world. And his heart is for the nations. He says, that this, you know, when, he, when this angel comes at the beginning of, of uh, Luke and Matthew, the accounts of Jesus, he says, look, I bring you good news, great tidings of joy for all the people. God's heart is for the whole nation, for all the world. And, uh, and he's moving strongly. He's moving in so many different ways through dreams and visions and miraculous signs in the Muslim world. And for us as a family, we want to be part of what God is doing next in this world. And so we are going to be partnering with a ministry called One Heart in Athens, Greece. And it's actually run by a, a woman who was a refugee herself 20 years ago. And uh, she, she went from being a refugee to being a rescuer. That's how God works, isn't it? He takes us out of a situation and he brings us to a place where we can actually help people that are, go that were, are going through the same thing that we just went through. That's how God works. And so she went from refugee to rescuer. And so 20 years ago, she was the woman on the boat. Now she's the one welcoming and helping refugees through different crises that they encounter there in Athens, Greece. And so it's a ministry called One Heart. She's an Iranian woman. They run a, uh, a ministry there, but also run a church that's um, an Iranian church. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but the Iranian church there in Iran is actually the fastest growing church in the entire world. It's the fastest growing church in the entire world. And it's, it's growing so much that these people are just... They are so hungry because they've been 
guess the good news is permeating their culture, and they're so hungry for something that's been uh, so repressed. They're so open to it. And so Amanda and I actually went there uh, to Athens a couple months ago just to meet with the different leaders to kind of confirm some different details, and we had a chance to go out to the refugee camp. And we had a chance to go and bring these bags of food. And I don't know if anybody's been to kind of a developing country, a third world country, where, you know, you bring, oftentimes you bring them food and, and they, like, they say, thank you. And then they kind of just walk away, you know. And, but for us, that wasn't our experience with them. These Muslim refugees, they, we gave them the bags of food. And they said, thank you. You're not just going to give us food, are you? We want to hear more about your God. And, you know, for me, I don't, you know, I don't know about for you, but for me, like, that just kind of, kind of blows my mind because so, it's so anti what we hear in our news, anti what we hear as Christians that they're just not, they just don't want to hear. They, they, they don't want anything to do with our gospel, but they're hungry. They're hungry for something real. They're hungry for that love of Christ because God, we, you guys know this as a church, it's the kindness of God that what? that brings us to repentance. It's God's kindness. It's his goodness. It's his faithfulness that brings people out of their, their bondage and into the freedom. So they leave these countries. They leave everything. They're, finding new, they're going for a new life. And God surprises them with a whole new life that they never anticipated. A whole new freedom than they ever anticipated. And so Athens is just a really strategic location right now. And so my wife and I have always prayed that we'd be kind of a, a modern-day Aquila and Priscilla. And if you know Aquila and Priscilla, you see them in Acts. And they're always mentioned together. And they're always serving together, and they're making a difference together. But not only that, but they choose strategic locations. Strategic locations to have the biggest impact that they possibly can. And so they start off in Jerusalem, and then persecution pushes them out of there. And then they go to Rome, and challenges from there push them out once more. And then they actually end up in Greece, end up in Greece. And so they're always picking different locations. And so what's amazing about Athens, Greece right now is that these people are coming from all sorts of different countries. Like I said, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Northern Africa. Um, They're going to Athens, and they basically go there, and they, they go there to get stuck for a little bit. And how many times, how many know that God can do amazing things when we're stuck, right? We, you know, in those times of pausing, God can do different things. And so God is catching their, catching their hearts and catching their minds and catching their spirits there and Athens before they move forward. But what happens is they catch the gospel, and then they share the gospel back with people in Iraq in Iran and Afghanistan. And so this, this gospel is actually going back to different places that you and I and other missionaries or you know, people that want to share the gospel, they can't go. But what's happened is these walls have come down and the, things have been open. People are catching the vision, catching Jesus, and then sharing it back to their family and their friends and their partners and you know, businesses, and they're sharing that back into those places. And the gospel is moving forward. But not only that, when they're able to move when they're finally able to move forward into Europe, into those countries, like I said, England, France, Germany, they take that fresh found faith and they're moving that fresh found faith into churches that have been stagnant and not bearing fruit for so long and they bring fresh wind and fresh fire into that. And so by going and being in Athens, Greece, uh, it's not just 
a, a, a time where we can just be in one location and ministers right here, but it's a place where we can minister right there and have a wider impact on an entire region. You know, I think that's how we all want to, you know, be. We want to make an impact, not just kind of like right here, but we want to have a wide impact. You know, many of us, our hearts, like God has done so many amazing things in our hearts and in our lives, and we, want, we desire to share that. We desire to share that. And, and as we're sharing that, Amanda and I and, and our family, um, it's amazing to get to see that firsthand. And, and, and what's really amazing for me as a dad is I get to see that, that transferred into our kids. And we get to see that, that gospel, that passion developed in them. And I remember our daughter, she's, she's back there in Children's Church, which is, um, I'll get to that in a second, but um, our daughter was praying with me in Belize. There was a man who had been shot in his leg, and uh, he had come to the church that night, and he had asked for prayer. And so um, there was a couple of us praying, my, myself and my daughter and one other missionary. And as we were praying, this man's legs, like he said, like I said, he had been shot, and his legs were unlevel. And they had kind of grown like this. We started praying. And as we prayed, his legs leveled out. And, uh, and so he was able to walk again. And it was just amazing. And my daughter looked at me, and she, and she got to see the power of the gospel. And I know that you're a church that believes in miracles too. And it's amazing to see our daughter and our son begin to catch that catch that vision. And, and that's what it's about. That's what the gospel is about. It's like, it's not just for us. We need to pass that torch to the next generation because that torch had been lit thousands of years ago. And it's about carrying that torch faithfully through our lives and lighting the next torch. It's lighting the next generation's torch, lighting and getting it bigger and wider and just more intense. And I know you guys are a church body that desires to to carry the torch, and you guys are doing that well. You're doing it so well. And I know you, you guys also have that heart to be a blessing and to serve in different ways here in, Pe- in Pettisville and around the area. And so I just want to encourage you guys. This isn't a message that's me coming and kind of telling you, oh, wow, amazing things like what God is about to do in our hearts and, and through us and through other people. I, just, I, I want to come in here and encourage you guys as well because we all have different roles. We all have different positions um, to serve. And so from, from different people that have been involved in our lives and as we've kind of gathered different things, I have seven, I don't want to call them seven steps, I want to say seven thoughts on living a missional life. And if you're taking notes, we'll kind of dive in here a little bit. Seven thoughts for living a missional life. Seven thoughts, seven thoughts for living kind of that mission that God has for you. Because God has purposes and plans for all of us, right? It's not, um, not just the missionaries, it's not just the pastors, it's all of us. Uniquely chosen, uniquely gifted, uniquely talented, uniquely positioned in a strategic time, at a strategic place to build his kingdom. And so, first step for that mission of life, for living what God has called you to do, it will use the gifts, the talents, and the passions that God has given you. Look, you know, some of you guys would think, like, man, like well, Greece or Belize or Africa, like that's the last place I want to go. That's fine. God's not going to send you there. He's not going to send you. Like God works and he leads you 
by desire. He leads, he puts those desires in your heart and he gives you those unique gifts and those talents to do what he's called you to do. So if you don't have a desire to go there, yeah, that's, that's not the right thing for you guys. That's fine. So 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So whether you're gifted in music, whether you're gifted in teaching, hospitality, whatever that is, use that. Well, Dan, I don't know what I'm gifted in. Okay, that's fine. Who are you in community with? Who can you ask? Who can you ask? Because I tell you what, if you ask somebody, what do you, what do you see in my life? Where do you see my gifts and my talents? If you're, if you're in genuine community with that person and they're, they're going to speak the truth in love, man, they'll tell you what you're good at. They'll tell you what we're good at. And you know what? They might even tell you what you're not good at, and that's fine too. But look, look to those people. Um, if you're, just speak, speak the truth in love, right? Um, you know, we, we all have these different gifts and talents. You know, even look, look at Noah. You know, Noah, good at woodworking. You know, I know Joel, like you're good at all sorts of different things. Um, but I can't do that. You ask me to, you know, put a bathroom together. You put me, ask me to do anything kind of woodworking. I can't do that. That's not my gift and talent. So I stay in my lane. And you guys um, all have different lanes as well. Here's another way to, to, to look at that. Where's there been favor in your life? Where's God given you favor? For me, it's been in ministry. It's been in music. Where has God given you favor? That's, that's kind of an identifier for you. Where do you have favor? Where do you have the gifts and talents? That's the lane. That's the zone. What God has for you, use those things. Start there because he's given you gifts, talents. And if you don't believe that, like, man, the scripture says you have gifts. He says you have spiritual gifts. You have those things. Number two, it will cost you something. It will cost you something. It could cost you your time, maybe your money, maybe some comfort, Maybe your reputation, it'll cost you something. You know, Jesus said in, in Luke 9, 23, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, following Jesus and living out his mission will cost us something. You know, and that doesn't mean it's going to be miserable. It doesn't mean it's going to be hard every day. But it means it's some, it'll cost you something, and that's Okay. It cost Jesus something to come for us. It cost him essentially everything. So something, costing us something is okay to gain everything. So it's, it won't always be easy. It might cost you something. It might be challenging. It might be uncomfortable. You know, um, you, know you think about Abraham. God called him out. He, had a, he said, go to that place that I'm sending you. I'll show it to you. Cost them comfort, cost them uh, many different things, but they did it, and he was faithful. And we're still talking about Abraham millennia later. We're still talking about the faith that Abraham had. So it might, what God's calling you to might be uncomfortable. It might kind of take you outside of your comfort zone. It might make you say, I got to take a risk. It might even bring some opposition or persecution. That's okay. That's okay. Why? Because Jesus gave everything for us. He's, he's expecting that of us as well.
Number three, it may take longer and look different than anticipated. So what God's what's calling you to, it may take longer, may look different than anticipated. It's not always a straightforward journey. It may, um, it may start off this way and go, this way, go a little bit diff- different sideways on you. Um, but we can't get discouraged. You know, God says, my, what my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As we trust him, as we, as we kind of open ourselves to his leading, um, he'll guide us in that. You know, and, and we think about Joseph. You know, Joseph had these dreams when he was younger, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here, and the sun and the moon are going to bow down before him. Like he, he had these dreams, and God brought him to pass, right? The only thing is there was a pit in the middle. There was a prison in the middle. There were some, there were some challenges, so God, he's got good plans for you. He's, he's, he wants to take you into that missional life, into that life that he called, called you to. And it's a series of steps to get there. And it may start, and it, you know, a series of, a, you know, it's a thousand miles or whatever starts with one step. But at the same time, if, we, if we're going to the moon, like it's not just we, we aim for the moon and we go. Like it takes that series of corrections. Those kind of those small explosive uh, explosions to redirect that rocket as it gets into space and continue to course correct. And so as you guys step into that faith-filled journey that God's calling you into, it's gonna, it might require some course correction. It may look different. It may start off with um, going one place and ending up in a different location, and that's okay. You guys are spirit-led, and I believe that um, he'll get you there. Number four, Step four of living missional life. It will be bigger than just you. And it will involve others. If you're, if, you're, if you're just thinking that God, if you're just thinking about yourself, if you're just thinking that you can do it, if it's not involving other people, you're thinking too small. You're thinking too small. God has made all of us a body. He says, um, look, he said, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12, 12 through 27 says, the body is a unit, though it made up of many parts, and though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So look, like we're all hands, we're all feet, we're, we're all different parts, and we need each other to make it happen. You know, even, even Paul, like we think about that, before he was even Saul, there was a guy named Barnabas who saw something in Saul. And, so, and Barnabas came and called that out of Paul. He encouraged, Barnabas means son of encouragement. He came and encouraged Paul, who we now know as Paul. But here's this guy killing Christians, essentially. And Barnabas said, man, I see something in you. Like God's got good plans for you. And so God's putting us together. You know, we all know that different, that different imagery of a puzzle, that we we are that that we're that missing piece, you know. And how many people are frustrated when you put a, put a puzzle together? You have that one missing piece. You're like, ah, oh, it's incomplete. You know, that's how God's plan is. If we're not stepping into what God has for us in this season, in this time and place, it's missing. It's missing something. God wants to do something more. And when when the, when those when those puzzle pieces are there, it's incomplete. But not only that, it's un- unstable, because those pieces give each other strength. They hold each other in. And so 
when we're not in that position, we're not living that life that God calls us to live and, and taking that position that he's called us to take for that time and place. We're, 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 we're causing other people to miss out on what God has for them as well. Number five, living a missional life. It will require perseverance. It will require perseverance. Living the mission of God it requires perseverance. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You know, so many of us have probably, I mean, so many, all of us have taken that step. Say, Dan, like, I did take that step. I'm right in the middle of the river right now. It's okay. Like, those waters will part. Those waters will part. You know, so many times, like, you know, when we take those steps, sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't go as anticipated. We have these challenges or, you know, we, we miss it sometimes and we kind of get a little bit scared, don't we? We're honest, you know, sometimes we just get a little bit scared. We get, you know, but God will, if we stand, you know, talk about the scripture about where, where hell comes against you, the enemy comes against you, he says to stand. Don't do anything, just stand. Just stand. And so I encourage you guys as, as, uh, as, as you're taking that step, have perseverance. It's not, life's not a, it, it, the mission of God isn't necessarily a sprint, it's a marathon. And I was talking with one of my friends who's a, who's a racer person. He's running, we run 5Ks, 10Ks, and uh, we're thinking about these people that, you know, they, the, the horn blows, every, they take off, these people will take off out of the gates, and, uh, and they're ahead for the first 100 meters or 200 meters, and, and, but they don't pace themselves, you know? And I, I always think that it's funny where the photographers are usually at the beginning of the race. And so, you know, the next day in the newspaper, they see that person who's, you know, busting it out of the gates, and he's in first, you know? But the people who, had, who are in first, are most of the time, they're not the ones uh, at the end of the race who are coming in first. Because we pace ourselves. We persevere through the challenges. When the going gets tough, when, the, when, when, we're, when you're going uphill, when there's things in the race that slow you down, you keep going. You keep standing on the word. You keep speaking the word. You keep standing on the promises of what God has put in your heart to do. And you persevere through those challenges. You know, I think about Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah was charged, go build the wall in Jerusalem. And here comes this oppression. People start speaking poorly of him. There's all this sorts of, uh, there's just all sorts of different challenges. And Nehemiah says, look, this is a picture of the, our church globally now. Nehemiah says, look, we're going to have a sword in one hand. We're going to have our hammers and our tools in the other. We're going to build, we're going to fight. Sometimes, and we're going we're gonna to be ready for both. And that's where we need to be, church. Church, we need to be ready to build, and we need to be ready to fight at all times. That's, that's what God is calling his people to do right now. So when challenges come your way, persevere. Don't give up. Stand on the word. And you're, thankfully, you're part of a body that believes it. If you need help, reach out. Call up somebody. Isaac, Joel, Jerry, whoever it is. Call them up. This is what I'm, I need, I need some encouragement. I need to persevere through. This is what I'm facing. There's power and collectivity. Number six, living the mission of life, it will encourage and challenge others. So this can be twofolded. So it'll encourage other people. Well, so it might look like this. Man, I see this in you. 
hey, Tom, Bill, I see this in you. Like, you're gifted, you're talented. What's holding you back? Like, go get it. You can do this. You'll crush it. Like, you can be part of that encouraging, uh, encouraging word for somebody. When we, when, we live that, when we live that out, it can be um, amazing, and we can speak life into other people. But here's the, other th- here's the other way. It can encourage and challenge other people. When we hear what God tells us to do, you know, maybe taking a family across and, and doing, uh, doing missions work in different countries. You know, when we, when, we, when we do that and we focus on that and we live that life that God has called us to do, other people over here look at that and say, man, like, have you seen that? Like, have you seen how zoned in they are to what God's calling them to do? Like, if God's not a respecter person. If he does it for them, he'll do it for me. And so as we get focused in, as we, tr- as we step into those things that God has for us, it's going to encourage the other person that's kind of on the sidelines, that's, that's saying, man, I, I do that, but I'm a little bit too scared. I'm, I do that, but I'm not sure of my gifts. I do that, but I don't have anybody to do it with. Or I do that, but that's way too big for me. But then they look over, and when somebody's living out the mission that God has put on their life, it encourages, it calls us up into that higher level of living, that higher level of faith to believe God for bigger things, to trust God for bigger things. Because no matter where you are, I don't, you know, there's, there's millionaires in here, or there's people that are having a huge impact in different ways. Like, no matter how high you are, God's got more for you. You guys believe that with me, too. I know you're a church that believes that. God has more for you. There's somebody that needs to hear that. There's, somebody, there's more for you. There's more for you. There's more for you. God is an abundant God. He has streams of living water coming out. He wants us to be overflowing. He wants us to be, his people to be overflowing with what he puts into them. So they're spilling out onto other people. And so when you live that life, when you, when you live into what God has for you, and so, I mean, so many times, you know, we say, like, yeah, I did that. I did that. No. Like, God is calling different things right now in your lives. He's calling many of us into new seasons, new things. And I know that's stirring in some people's hearts. Like, there's some things that God has been speaking to you in your heart. He's calling us up. He's leveling us up. He's putting new dreams for us to step into. And those new dreams are going to actually require new faith and new trust, new relationships, new things, because God's doing a new thing. He's not wanting to do the old thing. He's not wanting to do different things the same way. He's got more for you, church. And as you do it, as you take that step of faith, it's going to cause the other person. It's going to cause other people to believe for more. Isn't that what we want? We want people to step into the life that they have for them, that God has for them. Number seven, it'll be worth it. It will be worth it. Somebody needs to know that too. There's so many of us that are facing so many things right now. There's so much going on in the world. There's so much pressure and challenge and comparison. And, you know, so many of us have been under such attack. Is it worth it, God? Is it worth it to stand? Is it worth it to go after this anymore? Just 
It's been challenging. It's been hard. I don't want to persevere, God. Like, it's been harder than I anticipated. Where are you, God? God's saying, it will be worth it. Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. You'll be rewarded for, we will be rewarded for our faithful service for God's mission in this world. Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Church, we will be rewarded for the faithful service. We will be rewarded. God is a, he's a respecter of faith. He wants his children to, to believe him for more, to believe him for bigger things because God wants to make a bigger impact in this world. It's not just in Greece. It's not just in Athens. It's here right now in Pettisville, in Fulton County, in Ohio. God has a heart for the world. And he's looking for people who will trust him to live the mission that he's put in their lives for them, for this time and this place and this location, wherever you're positioned, God determines that. And he has more for you. He has more for you. So I'm going to take a couple minutes. Many of you guys know that I, I, I play piano. It's a gift that I have. And, and uh, I just want to take a, a, a moment to play a little bit of music for you. I have a couple questions for you as we kind of reflect because I don't want this to, you know, this isn't a message about Dan Garropy and Amanda Garropy and their family going to Athens. This is a, this is a, a message that says, look, Here's people that are, are doing it, but here's some things that they've learned and have been sown in, and here's some principles that God has given them and other people right now, in this season. And this is a, a message of what's next for, for us as Revelation Rock? What's, what's, what's next for our marriage? What's next for our family? What's next for my business? What's next for me individually? What's next for my kids? This is, this is a time where God is calling us in the new things. He's, and so I want to I play piano and give you a time to reflect and hear God, what God is saying to you. So here's, some, here's a different, couple different questions. Uh, I don't know if I have a slide with, the, with that on there. What are my gifts and talents? What is God asking me to do? What might he be asking me to lay down? Who might God want me to serve with? Or beside? Who might I be able to encourage or build up or mentor? If it takes longer or looks different than I anticipate, how will I encourage myself to persevere? I believe God wants to speak to us during this time.
to us. Maybe Chris is coming up. There's a famous quote by a missionary named Jim Elliott. If you're familiar with uh, Jim, he is a missionary who served in South America, worked with some tribes, and tried to reach him with the gospel, and eventually they killed him. They killed him. They didn't want to hear it. But his wife continued to minister. His wife didn't give up on him. She forgave him, and she continued to work, and continued to work, and continued to love on him, continued to share the gospel. And one by one, they continued to come to Jesus one by one until the entire tribe was a follower of Jesus. And he made this quote. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, we got to be willing to give up the temporary things of this world in order to gain the eternal rewards and fulfill God's mission for our lives. Jim also had another quote that stuck out to me. He says, when it comes to dying, when it comes time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. We must live our lives in such a way that we have no regrets when we come to the end of our lives, knowing that we have faithfully served God and his mission in this world. I just want to pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for this body of believers, uniquely positioned, uniquely called, uniquely gifted to be your servants here and now in this place. And I pray for them, Lord God, that they would know who they are in you that they would stand firm, that they would stand strong, that they know their gifts and their talents and they would be faithful stewards of those, that they would rise up and take their place, they'd rise up and take the territory that you're calling them to for this time and place and this season, that they people be the people that, who call you daddy, who believe big things for you, for you. don't give up, who do, don't, don't give up when it's hard, who persevere through all circumstances. Father, I speak blessing and favor over this body. May they shine brightly for you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So as we're wrapping up, I just want to encourage you. not always it's not always easy sometimes it's scary to step into what God has for us next but he's faithful he's faithful he's faithful and he has more for you church he has more for you not just this individually not just you as a couple but he has more for this church is more for you. He's a God of infinite resources. He's just looking for people who will believe him, who will trust him, who will step out and say, God, I 
I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. So Revelation Rock, may you know the gifts and the callings God has for you. May you step out into them. May you persevere through all challenges. May you work with and encourage others along the way. And may you press on for the reward God has for you. May you live the mission of God in your lives. Amen.